Welcome to Season 3 of I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting. I'm Garrett McMillan, a new sophomore on this year's Alabama baseball team, and thanks to our new NIL regulations, I can be paid a nominal amount to promote this podcast. A very nominal amount. Is there another word for less than nominal? Just stick to the script, Garrett. Okay. Tom and JT will be rambling on about SEC football again this year with a high lean on the Crimson Tide. Hey, have you guys ever considered I'm not bucking, you're bucking? Garrett, the script. Okay. Here are your hosts, Tom and JT. Welcome to Season 3. Hello, everybody, and welcome in to episode 10, season 4 of I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting. We are a day late. We'll explain why shortly, but uh, let me introduce my other half of the podcast right now. Tom, how's it going? Hey, it's going good, bud. Tom Sims, Tuscaloosa, Alabama, slash McCullough, Alabama. Yes. For those of you who didn't know where I lived. Right on the Tuscaloosa-Jefferson County line. There's no good way to get to Tom's from Red Bay. You can go to Tuscaloosa, and it takes you two hours and 28 minutes. You can go through Birmingham, it takes you two hours and 26 minutes. He, he lives in the middle of nowhere as far as we're concerned, and here in the, in the metropolis. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, uh, I think you guys check that box as well. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, let's, let's talk about uh, how we closed out last week's show and then why we're a day late. Um, we have sad news to report. Um, you know, last week we asked you for prayers for a dear friend of ours uh, named Daryl. He listened to the podcast. He was mentioned a lot on the podcast. I mean, almost every week I'm sure we'd mention him. And uh, they, we, we could do a podcast talking about him. There, there, we, we could do a season talking about him. He was just a great person, a great friend. And uh, he turned 50 in the hospital, and he just his just his body quit on him. I mean, that's what it just boils down to. But uh, you know, he he's he leaves a legacy behind. I mean, yesterday we he was was his funeral, and and I got to thinking, there's so many people in my life just because of him. And Tom is one of them. I mean, Daryl knew Tom before I knew Tom, and then people were showing up at the funeral. Kyle Miner from Hoover. Uh, I met him through Daryl. Brandon Golson from Prattville, I met him through Daryl. Uh, Luke Taylor from Chatham, who now lives in Tuscaloosa, I met him through Daryl. He just he brought so much joy into our lives. And I, I, it's a different situation for Tom and I uh, because, as you know, Tom lost a, a, a childhood friend, and we talked about him in the first – I think I guess the first episode. And so, like – Tom lost his Daryl earlier this year. Now I've lost my Daryl. And when I say that, what I mean is, you know, I I grew up playing Little League sports with him. Daryl was two years older than me, but he had that September birthday. So every other year he could play down. And, I mean, you can imagine when he played down at 11- and 12-year-old baseball, well, he was just – he was awesome, you know. He was was throwing (laughs) faster than anybody. He was hitting the the ball farther than anybody. But that's how I kind of met him and got to, you know, knowing him. And then he had his license, of course, 18 months before I did. And and we just grew up going to school together, went through college and then post-college. And it's just a, it's, it's a sad day. And, Tom, I'll let you say your piece, and then we'll we'll move on. But we, we lost a good one with D. 
Yeah, I've uh, I didn't I didn't spend my early years knowing him, but when you when you've known somebody for right at about thirty years, uh, it hit hard. You know, it still does. And uh, like you said, I've got so many stories from when we were in in college. It, it would it would fill up a book and. And uh, Daryl was at the center of most all of them. Yeah. You know, he was just, I mean, he was a guy that you wanted to hang around with. You know, it, I never saw him hot-tempered. Uh, it, you know, he never rubbed anybody the wrong way. Uh, I mean, we'd, we'd sit at the Hound's Tooth and drink Bud Lights and play pool for hours on end. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, and it was just, it was just... It was a different time, but it was. It, but Daryl was always the same person, and and I definitely will miss him. Um, I don't. <clears throat> I don't really like to think about it, but I'll I'll miss him. Fly high, D. Yeah, for sure, man. You know, the only time I ever saw you mad at him was in college, where uh, our our washer and dryer had legitimately broken. And, uh, and and then, but we got it fixed, and we didn't really tell anybody because everybody was doing laundry at our apartment, and we had three people ourselves. And uh, <coughs> Daryl was talking to a young filly at the time, and she came over and did laundry. And Tom saw her come out of the apartment with the laundry basket, and you know he was mad, <laughs> understandably. But I had to tell Tom, Tom, this girl has something to offer Daryl that you don't offer. <laughs> you know that's that's funny. I was thinking about that earlier. Daryl, I'll I'll go ahead and say you know you have everybody has that group of friends and then out of that group of friends there there's one that the the ladies kind of fall in love with without without him doing much and that was Daryl. Uh, Daryl, in my opinion, he did not like to date women very often. But he enjoyed their company all the time, if that makes a lot of sense. He didn't go on a lot of dates, but he always had women around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. He did. He, he was a silent assassin, man. He would just chill at a party, and they would flock to him. And then me and you were over there uh, like Tennessee hound dogs, and, and we're getting blown off left and right. <laughs> That's about the size of it. And it happened week after week after week. Yeah. <laughs> Well, like you said, man, fly high, D. We will miss you, but let's uh, let's move on to uh, because if we continue talking about this, we're both going to be in tears. And like I said, we'll, we could do a whole season of this, but we're going to start off tonight with a commentary, and it's going to be a little bit different. We're going to start off with our CFP rankings. Normally, we kind of close the show with that, but we're going to start off, and it'll make sense in a minute uh, of why we're doing this, and and. Uh, Tom, I'll let you go ahead. Throw out your top four first, and then I'll come behind you. Then I'll explain why we're doing what we're doing. Okay, I've got I've got Bama holding at number one this week. Had them number one last week after Georgia uh, struggled, and they struggled even more this week. So, no no shuffle there. I have Bama one, but with Georgia's struggles, I dropped them another spot. I mean, they look terrible against. Uh, 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 bottom dweller in the SEC East, and by all rights, I mean they. They had every opportunity to lose that game. Missouri really kind of took the nail out of the coffin themselves when they had it first and goal from the one and got immediately got a uh, motion penalty yeah. that backed yeah. them up to the six and had to settle for a field goal. That was a big difference in that game. 
But I have uh, Bama 1, Ohio State 2. They've been taking care of business. I dropped Georgia to 3. And I had Michigan last week at 4 or at 3, and they actually slipped to 4 in my rankings. So I moved Ohio State up two spots, Michigan down a spot, and Georgia down a spot. Uh, I like you. Bama, OSU, Georgia, Michigan. Okay, got you. Uh, I'm like you. I had Bama at one. We we went on the road and we won convincingly. We lost our quarterback. Uh, with up 14 to nothing, we pressed the lead out to 28 to nothing without a pick six. They were all offensive touchdowns. I granted one. I think the the touchdown that got us to um, 21 was aided by Kool Aid's punt return. You know, down to inside. I think inside the 20, if I remember correctly. It was but, 17. You know, okay. So you know, we we get up twenty eight nothing. We they battle back, which we'll talk about later, and they cut it to twenty eight to twenty three, and then and then we press the lead back out, and then they score again. Then we press the lead back out again. So just a great showing by us. Special teams elf. Uh, I'd say the rest of the team was pretty much B plus or better across the board. So Bama one. I've got Clemson two, and the reason I have Clemson two is because because Georgia's three. And Georgia struggled again, like you said it all. Missouri's not a good football team. They should have beaten Auburn, who's not a good football team. Uh, so Clemson at two with Georgia at three. And I've got Ole Miss at four. I'm going to keep them there because last week I said the winner of the Ole Miss-Kentucky game uh, was <clears throat> was four. And you might be thinking, well, where's Ohio State? Well, I, I'm going to institute a, a new rule on my behalf and my behalf only. Tom does not have to abide by this rule. But if it's week five and you have yet to play a road game, I cannot rank you in the top four. I'm sorry. <laughs> Ohio State has looked impressive. They have. Uh, and and I, I really feel like I tweeted this out uh, uh, to an Ohio State fan, and I told him, I said, y'all don't have – the Ohio State fan says, you know, Ohio State doesn't have a single-digit win against any unranked opponents, which is a factual statement. I said, Ohio State also doesn't have a road win yet. And he's like, this tweet ain't going to age well. I'm like, how can a fact not age well? I said, you play on the road this week. You're gonna you, this time next week. You'll have a road victory, but you don't right now. And I think it's utterly ridiculous that conferences allow that that teams are allowed to to have a homestand of five consecutive games. Auburn's coming. Auburn's about to travel to Georgia. Bama has traveled to Texas and to Arkansas. Mississippi State's going to LSU. Texas A&M has played a, a neutral site and then at uh, Mississippi State, like it's ridiculous that you can go five weeks without traveling. So I'm Bama Clemson. Excuse me, <coughs> still got the coughing fit. <coughs> I'm Bama Clemson, Georgia, Ole Miss, one, two, three, four, uh, and like I said, Ohio State will probably take care of business this weekend, and they'll move in the top four. But the reason we want to do this, uh, this exercise, because we're what we're about to do next. So we're at the uh, the poker table at Tunica. Last weekend, uh, Friday night, annual trip to uh, to Tunica. This is Tom's first go around. I, I hope it's not his last. And uh, of course, Tom won the tournament. I've told y'all how good of a card player he is. And I went to bed, and uh, he won while I was asleep. And he and he had to reimburse me for my entry fee, so I made money while sleeping, which that's everyone's goal. <laughs> but there was a guy. There was a, a lot of Kentucky fans there because you know Kentucky played Ole Miss the next day, and it's just I mean probably an hour, hour fifteen to Oxford from Tunica. 
And the Kentucky fan was just real nonchalant about Alabama. I guess that's as good a word as any to use. He's like, oh, y'all win tomorrow. And and we did. We, we handled Arkansas. But now there was a possibility that we could have lost. And we, we play Texas A&M this weekend. I think we'll win. We're heavy favorites. And, you know, I mean, anything could happen. But now the next week at Tennessee, we could definitely – we're at risk, especially if Bryce Young doesn't play. And then we've got at Ole Miss. So we're telling him all these games that we could possibly lose. And he's like, oh, y'all, y'all won't y'all, – no, nah, y'all win all those. And and then we got to thinking, and Tom brought this up. He said, well, what, what would happen if the top four teams – didn't exist and then we kind of changed it because they need to exist because Ole Miss needs to play us Michigan needs to play Ohio State uh your other teams need to play Clemson and uh and Georgia so <coughs> what we're this exercise we're going to pretend that Bama Georgia Clemson and Ohio State are all on probation they're ineligible for the playoffs and in saying that the CFP will not rank them so, yes, we're playing football, but we're inconsequential. We're kind of like Auburn. We're inconsequential to the national title picture. So, what would your top four – we discussed this. What would your top four look like if those four teams were not competing for the national title this year? I've got my four, and you've got your four, I'm sure. So, right now, my number one team, I've got Ole Miss. I feel like they have shown enough. Uh, they, they've played very good defensive football. Now, they have allowed some points uh, lately. And, yes, Kentucky could have easily beat them. But the bottom line is they didn't. So, I've got Ole Miss at number one in, in this scenario. Uh, I've got Michigan at number two. And they've, they've really done well offensively. I don't know that they've played anybody with a pulse yet. And they played uh, – I can't remember who they played last week or week before where it was a closer game. But they have, they've been impressive. I've got Tennessee at three. Uh, Tennessee goes to LSU this weekend as three-point favorites on the road. That would have been unheard of last year before Heupel, you know, got the ball rolling. I'm impressed by their offense. I do think their defense needs some work. But, again, everybody has flaws. So, we're you know, in this, in this uh, scenario, if you had the top four teams that still were playing, were competing, the Bama, Georgia, Clemson, and Ohio State – that would put Tennessee at seventh since they're third in this poll, and that's about where they're at. And my last, my number four is Kansas. I, you know, everybody's writing off Kansas every <laughs> week. They're writing them off again this week with TCU coming to town. Not so fast. Let's let's let it play out. So I think if the top four teams that pretty much are generally agreed upon did not, we're not competing for national championship this year. I've got Ole Miss one, Michigan two, Tennessee three, and Kansas four. And I'm about to turn it over to you, but I heard a great stat on the radio today, or a great numbers, I, something to do with numbers, okay. The difference between, like, the number one recruiting classes, I guess it would be Bama over the course of the last four years. Bama, Georgia, Ohio State, take your pick. The difference between from one to ten you don't find that big a statistical difference in recruiting rankings to when you when you start at ten, and let's let's it's it's kind of confusing. Let's just let's use round numbers, okay? Let's say the difference between one and ten is ten percentage points in recruiting rankings. You don't see another ten percentage point until you get from ten to sixty. Does that make sense? It does. Okay. It does. So and basically, that's why you see so many upsets. Very like, top oh, heavy. Yeah, yeah. You know, you, like. 
you, you think, oh, well, well, gosh, this team's not even ranked and they're playing number 12. Well, num- between number 12 and number 55, it's not that big of a difference because it's it, you wouldn't be a bit shocked if number one lost to number nine or if number two lost to number 10. So I think there's more parity, and that, that, I guess the whole point of that is to say there's more parity in college football this year than that Kentucky fan at the poker table who eventually lost to Tom was willing to admit. <laughs> so the way that I approach this with those teams on probation is that, <clears throat> one, I assume that we'd probably only do this once this year, so I didn't want to project where they stood. Now I wanted to look at where I thought they would end the season. Uh, I, so I'm projecting a top. I'm projecting the four playoff teams after the season is over, and a lot of that had to do with schedule. And if you look at somebody like Kentucky, for instance, they've they've got a good schedule, but they still have to go to Tennessee and they still have to go to Georgia. They've already got one loss. Uh, they still have to play across uh, rival. I forget who the West team's not a give me. So, so a team like that has likely got a, another couple losses coming. But the one thing that I did realize too is, I doubt. I think it's highly probable there there'll be no no undefeated teams at the end of the year after these four. I think the four we took out of there have the best shot at being undefeated. The only one that's questionable that. Maybe they could go undefeated. Would be Michigan, and I have them as the number one seed. I, I I think they will lose to Ohio State, particularly being on the road this year. I have them at eleven one. I have them at the number one seed overall. Number two, second seed. I have Tennessee. You had them three. I had them at two. You know Tennessee is undefeated now. They still have to play Georgia and Alabama, but I still got them going ten and two. And so 10-2 and two with only losses to Georgia and Alabama is probably still good for the second seed. Uh, but there's going to be a host of – I don't see another team. I didn't see another team out there that would have one loss, much less zero, except for Michigan. I thought every other team on the list would have a couple of losses. I'm going to skip to the fourth seed before I tell you my third seed. And the fourth seed I have – effectively the winner of the Wake Forest-North Carolina State game. Both of those teams currently have one loss. That loss is to Clemson. And I think the winner of that game actually has a decent shot of losing only one more, but I think losing one more coupled with the win over whichever one wins that game toward the end of the year will be enough to propel them in the playoffs. I've, I've selected Wake for the number four seed. I think Wake Forest is playing good. I mean, they're taking your your number two Clemson seed right now. They took them to double overtime, and I think that was legitimate. They turned right around and, and walloped undefeated Florida State. So they're, they're a pretty good team. And you take out the top seeds, we're talking about Wake Forest possibly getting in the playoff. You're talking about Kansas. Mm-hmm. And – for the thir- third seed, I look hard at this, and I might also have Ole Miss in there. I think it will come down to Ole Miss and Arkansas. Arkansas is currently unranked in the poll, but Arkansas has already had their Alabama loss. They really should have beat AM. They beat AM up and down the field and come up on the wrong end of that score. So that puts them at two losses. But they avoid Georgia. They've already played what was preseason the top two teams in the SEC West, they have a showdown with Ole Miss, and it's the second-to-last game of the season. So it'll be 
you know, prime time to, to win a big one late. So the winner of that game, which I think will be Arkansas, would propel them to the three seed. So I have Michigan, Tennessee, Arkansas, and Wake Forest. Solid Michigan would, right there. Yeah, Michigan would be the only repeat playoff contender. Yeah, and, t- you know, tweet at us again if you uh, if you understand what we just did. Hopefully we explained it clearly enough. It just goes to show that, I mean, there's some solid teams right outside. Every, everybody on the talk radio is like, well, you know, it's, it's, Bama, it's Bama, Clemson, Ohio State, Bama, Clemson, Ohio State. But there's some solid teams out there, and, and nobody has looked invincible. I mean, I know Ohio State's probably been the most impressive as far as final score tally because, you know, Bama was hurt by the, the, the one-point win at Texas. But – Let's face it, Ohio State had to struggle with Notre Dame. Notre Dame's not any good. They're only two-point favorites in Vegas over BYU. And I just – I feel like that the the gentleman at the poker table is – he's getting blinded by the, the Bama-Georgia-Ohio State. There, there are chances for all three of those teams to lose. And Michigan is probably – I had them at two, you had them at one – that's probably really I, – I probably should have put them at one. I just wanted – I put Ole Miss because I had them at four, and I just moved them up a spot. But Michigan is probably the, the class of, of both of our, our, our four teams on that. And, and Tennessee, we both had Tennessee ranked very highly. So, you know, it's a far cry from what it used to be because Ohio State up until last year had X amount of wins, I, I, gosh, eight or nine, I guess, in a row over Michigan. And then Bama, you know, we've never lost to Tennessee since Saban's been there. Georgia's beaten them – probably five or six in a row. I know Tennessee pulled one out of their butt about uh, seven, eight years ago. But, uh, you know, Tennessee could easily – they could they could represent the East this year. There's no doubt. In my opinion, with Georgia, the way they showed against Kent State and the way they showed against Missouri, I think the East is up for grabs possibly even more so than the West. I, w- I, would, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. And, and that was a uh, – we sat there and watched. That was the most football I've watched this year in one sitting because we we sat down and watched uh, starting at eleven o'clock game. We watched till the end of the late game, which last game was Auburn LSU. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, it's the last o'clock. one we watched. So so we watched basically twelve hours straight of college football and had about four games, five games on at any one time that we we're monitoring. So it was a, it's a fun day. But we watched we watched every snap of that Missouri Georgia game and and Missouri. I mean, I always felt like Georgia would win that game all the way up until they actually won it. But there was some serious doubt. Early, it was like, wow, this is uh, this is not looking good for Georgia. And then a little later, wow, I can't believe Georgia's letting them hang on this long. Wow, hey, if Missouri gets a break or two, they could actually do something in this game. And we're saying all this while they're leading. Yeah. I mean, they led the entire game. You just <laughs> expected Georgia to take over it. And they never took over, but they did take the lead late. So that definitely a, definitely a step down this this past weekend for them. Yeah, and as Tom mentioned, we got to the sports book at uh, at eleven. Well, actually, we got there about nine thirty and had a little breakfast, a little Bloody Mary on tap, and then we jumped into our booth about ten thirty, and we were there for the duration. So, as you can imagine, going to bed or getting up early and going to bed late. When I woke up the next morning, my eyes around my eyes on the sides underneath looked terrible. It looked like I had been up all night, which I had not been, but it, it was a rough day. So, you know what I used to get rid of those dark circles and the and the wrinkles right quick. I use man of means. 
man of mean skincare products. It, it is available on Amazon.com. You can search Man of Means. Sounds like it's expensive. It's really not. It's very uh, very economical. Good good bang for your buck, if you will. But uh, search it up. Try it out. Man of Means. All right. Nice. <laughs> I got to come up with some new uh, new slogans. All right. So let's recap. And uh, uh, we looked at Bama Archie, uh, Bama Archie, Bama at Arkansas last week. LSU at Auburn. That were our two feature games. And uh, we'll start with Bama. You know, big W for the Tide. Like you said, uh, or like we talked about. You know, losing Bryce early on was was worrisome. Uh, and, and if you remember, I, I when he went down, when Drew Sanders got him and he threw the, tried to throw the ball away, he got up. And I told you, I said, he's hurt. I said, he's, he's kind of holding his arm different. And I didn't think it was anything major. I thought it was just maybe a little stinger or whatever. But I, I couldn't wait for him to get back in. And I think we, we maybe forced a three and out, and he came back in, and I was ready for him to throw a pass. And first down, we hand off to Jace McClellan. Second down, we hand off to Jace McClellan. And then third down, he rocketed one. I mean – there was nothing wrong with the velocity on the pass, but man, he just crumpled pretty much. And and losing him was a concern. I, re, I was glad we had a fourteen to nothing lead. And Milrow, you know, like I have said every year, we've lost a Heisman Trophy winner: Mark Ingram, Derrick Henry, and then uh, Smitty. You know, you do not lose a Heisman Trophy winner and get better. You you might not get worse, but you don't lose the best player in college football and get better. And we don't get better with Jalen Milrow, so don't think that I'm what I'm about to say signifies that I believe that. But Jalen Milrow brings up another set of problems, a different set of issues for an opposing defense. Uh, you know, as we saw in third and fifteen, that was a play of the game. They had, uh, you know, they had they had cut it to twenty eight twenty three, and after the onside kick, and we were facing third and fifteen, and I'm like, and we were deep in our territory. You know, we didn't need to punt because if we punted, you know, there's a good chance they're going to go ahead. I mean, I, I our defense had to be a little winded at the time. And then when he broke off that 70-something yard run and got down <coughs> inside the five, that just that changed the whole complexion of the game. And like Gary Danielson said, with the play of Jalen Milrow, it really kept Bama in the game. Even, <laughs> even though we hadn't trailed the entire game. Gary, everybody equally hates Gary. I, I don't know. It's unbelievable why they keep him around, but they do. But, you know, 31, Will Anderson, he is just a force to be reckoned with. And, you know, you just expect him. You know, his freshman year, 2020, everybody's like, oh, it's Derek Thomas Jr. It's Derek Thomas Jr. Well, then it took forever for him to get a sack, it seems like, his freshman year. And it's not that – so sometimes we get spoiled and thinking, man, why has he not got a sack yet? You know, and it's like the the third drive of the game and he ain't got a sack. Well, wow, that you know, you don't get a sack every play. But, man, there's three or four plays in a game. He's going to just absolutely blow up. You know, they're trying – some teams are trying to read him on a read option. He's too quick. He's blowing the play up in the backfield. He blew two of them up in the backfield that I can remember possibly more. And with with Jameer Gibbs uh, breaking the two 70-yard runs off, and that's what we, we had talked about on this podcast is, you know, we didn't really have that breakaway after Derrick Henry left. I guess what Josh Jacobs, I think, could. Damian, I don't remember Damian ever taking one to the house from 70 yards out. Josh might have. And then Yeldon had his moments and uh, Kenyon Drake had his moments. But, you know, Najee was not that. Najee did not take it from 75. Now, he had, he had one really good run against South Carolina that was probably – 
uh, around 60 or so, but it involved a hurdle, you know, and he, it, like, it's not like he just outran everybody. And that's what Gibbs did, and that's what McClellan did against Texas. And that's just very exciting to have that back that can really take it the distance. Outside of special teams, which was a solid F, uh, just, just a fantastic win. Anytime you went on the road, and that's why we're not de- – I know I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth here with Georgia. But you know what, Georgia, you won a road game. It's not easy to win on the road in the SEC. And to, for Bama to win with a backup quarterback coming in, I couldn't be happier. Yeah, I made a uh, I made a two column list for the good and the bad on the Saturday, and I'll start out with the good. And and right off the bat, you you mentioned F, but punt returns I thought were were excellent. And the reason I even mentioned them is that we thought when we played against La Monroe and we had so many punt return yards that it was just a product of them being poor at punt coverage because they were completely outmatched. Well, we did the same thing to Arkansas on Saturday. So that was that was a plus. Uh, big big return yardage there. They quit punting to him smartly. So a uh, big fan of that. They're Another huge goodness in the game Saturday, we held K.J. to only 39 rushing yards, and he had a long of 13. He'd been having 200, 100, 200 yards passing, 100 yards rushing game after game so far this year. And to hold him just to 39 rushing yards, I think that was a big, big time stop for our defense. That's that's the way you play. And, you know, those, those types of quarterbacks, those big physical quarterbacks who can run and get loose in the secondary and pick up chunk yardage when you're not – when you're trying to cover all the defenders, those guys are hard to handle, and we did an excellent job against him on Saturday. Uh, second or third thing I had on my good list, we had uh, you hit on this, Jameer Gibbs. He rushed for 206 yards on Saturday, put him top five in the all-time rush leaders uh, in in a single game at the University of Alabama, and we were chuckling about that on Saturday because. Three of the top five spots belong to Derrick Henry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so <laughs> he's in good company there. Um, fourth thing, Milrow come in and just also piggybacking what you said, he brings another dynamic. He's going to be tough for people to handle. He really is. He, he's, a, he's way faster than K.J. Jefferson, way faster, but he's just as physical. And we're going to need him to, we're going to need him obviously to hone his passing skills a little bit. And that's probably some nerves and not playing. I think he'll settle down. He's got a strong arm, obviously. But he's going to have to make good decisions. And he's going to have to have some help from his receivers. I mean, that's going to be on my bad list where we had some drops from the receivers more than we should have. And when you have a second string quarterback in there who needs some positive reinforcement you can't afford to have those drops latu are all everything tied in drop one made it so he didn't even have a catch on the day he got one one a target and hit him right in the numbers and he put it on the ground the rocket that you talked about earlier that bryce through his last pass that was for a first down pass and that was just completely dropped right mm-hmm. in the hand so we've got some dropsies going on which is not good i will say one of the good things that is sort of a deceptively good thing is that jameer gibbs only had two catches on the day so <clears throat> part of that might have been a byproduct of bryce's injury 
But Bryce got injured, what, late second quarter, mid-second quarter, something like that? Yeah, it's second quarter. I'm watching it right now on SEC Now. It was sometime in the second quarter, but, I mean, we did get two touchdowns after he went out. So, we had – it was relatively early. Yeah, but, but the point being – well, two points to make on that. One, Bryce didn't depend on him early. We are moving the ball well, obviously. Uh, we were up 28-3, to and that included a turnover on the one-yard line and a missed field goal. It, it could have been 38-3 to before they started their comeback if we hadn't have made those two key mistakes. But, uh, but him only getting two catches, I think that's just another dynamic to that offense. If O'Brien can sort of zero in on his play calling, he's got such a wide range of options. We had all those receivers out there, and that's actually another thing on my good list, but – and, and Jameer, for the past two or three weeks, was just like, wow, we just keep dumping it to him out of the backfield, and he's he's just getting chunk yardage. Well, Saturday we didn't have to do that, and we moved the ball really well. And I was surprised when we brought Milro in. I was thinking that's an obvious play to get him some confidence and to make sure it's not a throw that's into coverage or something that he has to really – you know, decipher the coverage and make sure he's throwing it the right man. That's a safety valve throw, and he. I, I don't. I don't know if one or two or zero of Gibbs catches come off of Milro, but it wasn't a lot. So I thought that was a good thing. And lastly, on the good column, I just mentioned it: the receivers. Prentice was our leading receiver Saturday, and he becomes the fourth different receiver to lead us in pass catch yardage uh, on the year. So it's been spread out four different times, and we've had five games. The only repeat winner on that list is Gibbs, who's the running back. So from a receiver standpoint, we haven't had a receiver, I guess, step up and be the man in any game, but I don't think we've we've had a shortage of passing yards. Coincidentally, you know who's not on that leading target list for for receiving? Uh, That's Burton. So. First through game, five and where have you been, you know? Yeah, so through five games, Burton has not been on our leading list. And, and Saturday, only had one catch. And that doesn't bode well for him because Saturday, JoJo Earl made an appearance. I didn't see Harold, but uh, JoJo got back, and he had only one catch, but it went 24 yards and a touchdown. Very elusive in that catch. So, and, and, and I'll, I'll wrap this up quickly with the bad outside the Bryce injury and and it probably had a lot to do with this we just lost focus I mean we were at 28 to 3 and uh I think we just uh, even after Milro came in like you said we got the big punt return we had a drive made it 28 to 3 and, and I think folks just thought hey we can beat these guys with anybody and we lost focus. And that game wouldn't have been nearly so close if we hadn't have botched that punt. You know, Arkansas went down and, and oh, yeah. did get a couple touchdowns there. But the botch punt just got the crowd in it, pulled the game within five, got Gary Danielson all wet in the panties. I mean, it was <laughs> it was. <laughs> I mean, it was uh, it was just a a a. a, a I guess a a max sum of events that just caused everything to sort of look like it was going south in a hurry, but we we righted the ship in a hurry, and a lot of that 
was was squarely on the shoulders of Miro and that big big run he made on third and 15. That got the spark back in us. And as soon as he did that, we scored there. We started playing defense again. I mean, we're, we're a very streaky team and a very uh, confident, I guess, base team. We need confidence on both sides of the wall. We don't – or ball, and we don't need to lose focus. So, um, But overall, I thought it was a good effort on the road against a team that – Again, you mentioned it. I've mentioned it. It was it was a game we could lose. Alabama fans need to to realize, and the Kentucky fans not wrong. We've been we've been beating those all those teams on the list that you talked about. We've been beating them for years and years and years and years and years and years, and when yeah. we hadn't lost to them, the 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 difference from our perspective is we typically lose one of those games a year. Yeah, and we're gonna be a seventeen point favorite in that game that we lose because we're a seventeen point or bigger favorite in all of them, and so that was that was in the column of one of the losable games this year, and we still have we still have at least three more of those left, maybe even four. So, uh, it, you know, it, we'll see how it plays out, but I, I was not unpleased with the game on Saturday for sure. No, and I, I think it's easy to be an opposing fan or, or, well, not a fan of Alabama and say how good you are. Because it's, it's easy for me to point out how good Georgia is. And I know Georgia has struggled or, you know, whatever you want to call it the last two weeks. But I was just in awe of how good they were against Oregon. But you know what? I'm sure the Georgia fans were mad at something. You know, I, I think I read that they were irritated they didn't run the ball better. So and I think that as a Bama fan, we're too close to the we're too close to the forest to see the trees or vice versa. Because and I, I admitted this before, like uh, I I always winning is kind of a relief more than an enjoyment. I try to change that. I try to enjoy all the wins, but I really can't. <clears throat> I I never admit how good we are until after we've won it. You know. 2020 yep. might have been the only year where I really felt like we were the best team out there from wire to wire, and it turned out we were. But I think the thing with with Bryce going out has kind of sped up that clock for me this year. And when we lost our best player on offense and we did what we did to Arkansas, we're pretty darn good. And, you know, we, we talked about where he needs a good – we feel like Bryce or Milrow, whoever it is, we feel like you need a go-to receiver. Last year we had two of them. But you know, I really think if you asked um, if you asked Bryce last year, um, I think he probably looked for Mechie more than he did Jamo. Jamo was our, our you know our, our deep threat, and I really felt like that he was forming that bond with Jacory Brooks. You know, last week before last um, against Vanderbilt, you know, he hit him three straight times, one for a touchdown. And I, I really feel like that, that Bryce is trying to let the receivers feel their way out, kind of like at a blind man in an orgy, got to feel your way through. And he, But he wants one to step up, and I really feel like he was trying to make Ja'Cory Brooks step up this week. And, you know, if I'm not mistaken, Brooks had two of those drops. Is that what you had down? Yeah, I, it probably. I didn't have uh, – I didn't – I didn't have them pinpointed, but I knew there were multiple, at least three, and I think four on the day total. So my, my point is this, is we're good. We're very good on defense. We are very good on offense. We can be elite on offense if a receiver steps up and says, hey, I want the ball. Maybe it's JoJo Earl. Maybe it's Tyler Harrell when he comes. Maybe number three uh, from Georgia get, gets with it. You know, maybe Ja'Cory Brooks quits having the dropsies. Maybe it's Latou. But we have weapons, and I think if, if 
if somebody steps up and becomes the go-to receiver, the sky's the limit for this offense, man. We Our offensive line has played much better as, as of late. So, anytime you went on the road in SEC, it's a good win. And uh, that, that'll wrap up Bama and Arkansas. So, we can quickly discuss LSU and Auburn. Um, Auburn's just not very good. You know, they jumped out 17 to nothing on LSU. It was late in the afternoon, late at night when that game was on. And um, – we had uh, we had actually drank some Pappy Twelve Year for free. <laughs> Little sidebar, sidebar. We drank. We figured ninety dollars a pour, and the waitress. It was, uh, <laughs> it was more like a triple pour that she didn't charge us for. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> yeah, the TVs were kind of running together, but I do remember uh, Auburn jumping up on them seventeen to nothing, and then just falling apart as they always do. LSU, they're they're not very good. There's neither team is very good. LSU is definitely the better team with a better defense, but it just you know though the LSU Auburn game in in historically the last 25 30 years has really been good football, and it just wasn't this past weekend, and which it doesn't bother me at all. I I, I like when Auburn and LSU suck. It makes it easier on us, but there's just not a whole lot to add. I mean, I'm gonna Carson, give you a spoiler. Yeah, I'm going to give you a spoiler alert here. I hate to cut you off in your horse and rant because I know how I like to hear those. But Auburn LSU, both bottom of the West. I think those are your two worst teams in the West by yeah. far. LSU's got a 4-1 and one record. And as part of that record, they got a lot of credit for beating Florida State. I think both of those teams are overrated. I think you had two poor, mediocre teams in, in LSU and Florida State, and one of them had to win, and it was a close win. It could have went either way. And the rest of their schedule has not been very good. I don't know how, honestly, that LSU beat Mississippi State a couple weeks ago. That was sort of an anomaly. But I don't think they're very good. Uh, no. Auburn had 438 yards Saturday, and LSU only put up 270. Auburn had four turnovers in that game. Now, that's part of playing defense or not taking care of the ball or whatever you want to say. But I just don't think that LSU has the goods to hang with the rest of the teams in the West. I just don't. I don't think they do. Um, what were you going to say about Harson? I just had to well, jump in there. Uh, first, that's fine. I'm glad you did. First off, uh, Florida State did beat LSU. That was you remember LSU missed extra point to send it to. OT. Oh yeah, yeah. That's that's, that's right. That's that was their, that was their, their win. Loss. Yeah, I remember and, it was um, close. That was their loss. That's you know, right. Auburn I, and I, I remember you know they they uh, Ashford hit some passes into some open receivers, but I just don't know. You know, hey. Auburn has not traveled away from the friendly confines yet. But Harson, one of the turnovers was inside the red zone, a end around to Coy Moore, who then was going to do a pass to the end zone. Well, I had – and the only reason everybody knows this rule is because Gus Malzahn ran, ran this same goofy play. The only person that can throw the ball out of bounds when they're outside the tackle box is the quarterback. Like, if you do a halfback pass, nobody's open, and the quarterback throws it up in the stands, even though he's outside of the tackle box, it's a penalty. It's grounding because it, I don't know why the rule is that way, but it's that way. So, I mean, that's just idiotic to run that play to where you've got a non-quarterback trying to complete a pass. And, and you know, obviously, Moore probably didn't know the rule or else he'd have just cut it up and got what he could. But, uh, you know, he, that that was turned out to be a, a very terrible turnover for them, and then they – they muffed the punt. It's just Auburn is going to fall apart, and that's all you got to do with them is hang around, hang around, make it, make it through the script, make it to halftime, and then 
they'll fall apart. They're just they're not good. You're gonna, in my opinion, you're gonna get some players opting out pretty soon. Harson, I don't know when they're gonna fire him. It's 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 so weird that they even have him still hired. He's not gonna make it. I, I mean, honestly, what would they do if Auburn didn't lose another game? I think they're so disgusted with him. I think he'd just leave. I mean, I don't. You can't fire him at that point. But they're, they're, he is not going to be the coach at Auburn for better or for worse next year. No. So I don't know and why they don't know, go ahead and fire him. I mean, yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree. <laughs> and and you you made an understatement call there. If you hang around with them until halftime, I went back and looked at this, and it, and it was kind of it was kind of amazing. Saturday they led LSU seventeen to nothing, lost the game twenty one seventeen, had zero second half points. Their last SEC game previous to that was against Alabama. They led that game 10 to nothing. They had three second half points and lost that game 24-22. The previous SEC game to that, they led South Carolina 14 to nothing. They lost 21 to 17. They had three second half points. The one before that, Mississippi State. Do you remember that game from last year? They were yeah. leading twenty-eight to three at halftime. Lost forty-three to thirty-four. Had six second-half points. And if you go back one more game to that, which would be five games, their last five games, they were tied with A and M three to three in the first half. Lost the game twenty to three with zero second-half points. So in their last five SEC games, they've had a collective total of 12 points over five games. Pathetic. Averaging a little over two points per game. So, yeah, if you can can hang out within just a couple of points (laughs) from and get to halftime, you'll – and, you know, here's here's the the poor thing for for Auburn, too, going forward. So they are are three and two now through five games – have seven games left on their schedule. Four of those seven are ranked teams on their schedule, and and I think three of those four are on the road. Oh yeah. yeah. But out of the three games they don't have that are not ranked, besides the cupcake, the two unranked teams, Arkansas and Texas A&M. Yeah. So it should definitely be losses. Yeah this this schedule is not setting up well for them at all. Uh, speaking of A&M, let's jump on them right now. That's going to be the game of the week. Really only one. I mean, it's so weird how you've got Auburn, Georgia. You've got the Red River shootout. You've got uh, Tennessee at LSU. But really the only one that moves the needle for us on this podcast is going to be Bama uh, versus A&M. And this is, I, I wrote down one thing. It's so funny. You, you, you entitled this episode Jimbo's Reckoning. And that's, what, that's the only – I've got two words on this sheet. It says a reckoning. And that's what's coming. You know, with with them struggling as they are, I don't know, is Max Johnson going to play? I don't know. Haynes King is not who we thought. You know, they thought they had a poor man's Tebow. They've got a poverty-level Tebow, Tebow with him. He's, he's just not that good of a quarterback. Anai Smith is out. I do think that Evan Stewart, the, the true freshman receiver, I think he's number eight, I think he's going to be great. And he's already very good, but, like, he's not ready for primetime yet. A-chain, legit superstar, but now that Anaya Smith is out at the at – the, I don't know if he played the slot or the X or the Y or whatever, it just makes them it, – it, 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 imagine, okay, a perfect example when Bama in the national title game didn't have Mechie or J-Mo. You know, we were sitting mm-hmm. ducks because we just had no weapons. And that's, that's A&M. They, they have no weapons. They, they're going to give it to A-chain. They're going to throw it to A-chain. 
And this is not going to be enough. It shouldn't be enough. I'm not going to – not falling in that trap again where last year we thought we had them beat. But, you know, we are – we're 24-point favorites, and I think it's personal. I know Nick tries to act like it's not, but, man, I watched a, a replay of what Jimbo – you remember he called the press conference, and he kind of went low on Saban this this past summer. You know, basically like some veiled comments about how he's cheated and cheated everywhere he's been. Yeah, he didn't come right well, out and say They weren't veiled. Well, he yeah. didn't just come out and say he cheated, he cheated, but it, it – it did not take long to put one and one together and get two, and I don't think that set well with Saban. Uh, 31 has made mention of it that, you know, it's it's a little personal with him. Jameer Gibbs, I, I retweeted something today I saw that you liked uh, about Jameer Gibbs. said, yeah, it seems like some of the people around here are a little irritated, you know, because he's, he's a transfer. He's a transplant. So I, I just see us really exacting revenge. Uh, the only thing that gives me pause of making it a, just a slam dunk is – Boy, when, and when Ole Miss beat us in 2014, I'm like, man, I cannot wait to get them in Tuscaloosa next year. We're going to beat the crap out of them, and they beat us again. So, I'm, I do – I am going to be cautious. Of course, we turned the ball over five times against Ole Miss in 2015, and when that happens, you, you tend to lose. But I, I just really see this score getting out of hand. I'm thinking 49 to 15, and I think it puts Jimbo in the hot seat. Uh, if he loses that that badly, it probably would. And I, I'll just go ahead and tell you that, I, uh, of course, a 24-point favorite is where you want to be every game. If you want to be 24-point fa- favorites from now until the history of time, I'll take it every game. I don't care if that's Akron or if it's uh, Tennessee. <laughs> but, uh, it, it, you know, the reason we should be worried about this game, yes, yes, a&M lost to App State, okay? Uh, we've had some bad losses. Other teams have had some bad losses, some anomaly losses, some losses that you don't know why in the heck you lost to. Now, we hadn't had that during Saban, but there are people that have. The year that Clemson beat us in the championship game, they had a horrendous loss to like a 4-7 and seven team or something that year. Ohio State didn't win it, but they made the playoffs that year uh, that, that they lost to a unranked maybe three and eight Penn State team or something. I, I forget. So those losses happen. So uh, that loss aside, A&M has actually beaten a ranked Miami team and ranked Arkansas team. Now, in both of those games, they were able to really play defense and run the ball somewhat effectively. And I think the key to that was defense. They were able to not allow Miami nor Arkansas to run up a lot of points on them. I think both those games were maybe in low 20s, maybe even, oh, it was in the teens with Miami. I think it was 17-9 and nine or something like that. So sort of low-scoring uh, games on both of those. Now, on the flip side, against Mississippi State this past week, uh What's what's their quarterback's name? Will Rogers. Yeah, he's playing yeah. well. I mean, he's playing really well, and he threw the ball effectively against them. And when they got behind, they had no answer. They were not able to run the ball and keep themselves in the game with the lead that State produced. And they had to rely on their passing game. And A and M's passing game is subpar. It is very subpar. Now, did Johnson get hurt, or did they just pull him for Haynes King Saturday? He got hurt, and that's we don't really know his status yet. And I'm Jimbo's not going to tip his hand, but a lot of people are leaning that it's going to be Haynes King this weekend. 
Well, you know, before before they pulled him for injury or not, Max Johnson had thrown for a season-high pass total against Mississippi State. That number, 203 yards, 203. So he had not broken 200 on the year until this game. And then Haynes King comes in and promptly throws two interceptions, one that was a pick six. And so their passing game is definitely not... I mean, if you're going to play against Texas A&M, you try to take A-Chain out of the game and force them to beat you through the air. I mean, that's just, it's going to be a simple philosophy, I think, Saturday. I think everybody knows what's coming, both sides of the ball, and you're just going to have to force them to do that. And on our side, if Milrow plays Saturday, Saban's keeping all this close to the vest. Who knows if Bryce will come out there or not. But if Milrow plays, one thing that we saw uh, when A&M played Arkansas, you know, that's going to be the closest quarterback that we've got as far as matchup-wise that, that Milrow is like. You know, Milrow is a, a pretty good – I think he's a better K.J. Jefferson, just like what we said a while ago. But K.J. ran for 100 and threw for another 171 that was very efficient. He had two touchdowns through there, one on the ground. And so that was a big day for him against A&M. Again, we, we mentioned this a while ago, too. A&M got the win in that game, but Arkansas played better than them. They, they, oh, they yeah. just they had some brain farts along the way. I don't know, you know what's going on there. but uh, So we, we need to do a good job on A-Chain. Last week, we didn't do such a great job against Arkansas running back. He had over 100 yards rushing on us. I, do you remember it wasn't too many years ago where we used to – uh, take a lot of pride in not giving up 100 year, mm-hmm. yard rushers. I mean, we went what two or three years without allowing one there oh, for yeah. one stretch. Yeah. I mean, it was it was crazy. But we did give up one last week. Now, of course, last week we were probably also focusing on Jefferson as much as we were the running back. So we won't have to do that this week. There won't be a spy required on one of the quarterbacks. It will just play solid pass defense and shut a chain down. And, or at least that, that should be the scheme. So if we, if we play the game we're supposed to, and it's not riddled with mistakes, I have coincidentally, I had a very similar score for, as you did 45 to 16. So very, very, I almost went 45 to three. And then I got to thinking about a chain and, and I, I think he grinds out some yards early and maybe sets them up for a drive. I mean, it's hard to stop a talented SEC team from scoring, and they're talented. I don't know why they hadn't been able to put it together so far, but they are talented. Heck, just ask their boosters. <laughs> They've played for a lot of talent on that team. Yeah, for sure. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes Saturday. But we definitely have the better team. We're at home. We've got the revenge factor. Uh, the, the the question mark is how efficient can we be with a new quarterback if it is indeed Milrow that plays. So at 16 points, I'm assuming two touchdowns for them, then a, a crappy snap by our punt team for a Eight safety. safeties. Yeah. Eight maybe safeties. maybe burn up knows now to kick the ball out of the back of the end zone. Don't fall it on a three. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. No kidding. All right. So uh, running a little short on time here. Let's get into the bets. We are on fire as we told you we would be eventually. Uh, Tom went a 2-0. I went 1-1, and and LSU just – they had their opportunity. On the muff punt, they could have punched it in, and dang, if they didn't turn it right back over to Auburn, if I'm not mis- – or, yeah, to Auburn, if I'm not mistaken. But I finished at 1-1. One one. I had LSU and Kentucky. Kentucky was an easy winner. Probably, possibly could have 
possibly should have won the game, definitely could have won the game to that late turnover. And then Mississippi State was a no-doubter, and then Wake Forest was outright winner as a dog at Florida State. So a good week for us at 3-1. and one. Uh, Who you got for game one coming up this week? You know, I've, I've, I'm going to give people a bonus game this week because I really wanted them on the list, and I, I didn't put them on there. Uh, we have been on fire. I mean, heck, even at the casino this weekend, we had lots more games that weren't on this list, folks, and we tore it up. So that's not unusual, but maybe we're maybe we're just hot this year. We could just very well be. Heck, we had an eight-point dog on Saturday that won outright, and we didn't take the points. We took the money line. So, <laughs> uh, But this my optional stuff. game. I didn't get my cut on that. Oh, sorry. Well, at least you got to enjoy it that I did. I did, I did. Uh, <laughs> the optional this is don't don't put this one down i just want to throw this out there um i don't think arkansas is an eight point dog against uh they got state this weekend right so they're eight yeah. point dog on the road they're they're not a, a bad enough team to be an eight point dog versus mississippi state that's too much take the points with arkansas there i think i just Talked a bit about uh, how they blew the A and M game. They legitimately should be four and one right now, and and we're we're just a really good team. So I would not take our, uh, Saturday's game uh, as the way they typically will play an SEC West team. So I would take the eight. But here here my here's my first well, play. Let me interrupt. You can go ahead and put that, listeners. You can put that as your official pick because that's my first game. So I'll go Arkansas plus okay, eight. Okay, good. Now give us your first game. Awesome. Okay, I'll take. Uh, North Carolina State minus three and a half over at Florida State. NC State uh, just coming off the 10-point loss to Clemson. Florida State uh, just having their first loss of the year as well. But I think Florida State has got a lot more losses in them, and I think this starts a string of them. I think this is a huge mismatch in talent. Yep, I like that one also. I looked at that one. My second pick is going to be Kentucky 10 and a half over USC. The game is at Kentucky. Kentucky is going to be licking their wounds. They're going to want some, some blood and some payback on what happened at Ole Miss. So I've got them covering the 10.5 pretty easily against a team that's not very good. We, as we've said, South Carolina falls squarely in the bottom four of the SEC. And I hinted at this earlier when I was ranting and raving about LSU and, and Florida State. If I'm picking Florida State to lose to NC State – I certainly think that Tennessee's a better team than North Carolina State, so they're only laying three at LSU. I mean, LSU is at home, but it's an 11 o'clock game, and I mentioned this a while ago. I think LSU is one of the two worst teams in the West, and I fully expect Tennessee to go in there and cakewalk that game. Yeah, that, it's – I had Arkansas, Kentucky, and Tennessee written down for my, my three, and I was going to take two of the three. So we're, we're simpatico on those this week. So that's good. I'm sure we'll go one and three or oh and four, but maybe not. Maybe we'll keep our hot streak rolling. It'll be a first. <laughs> uh, you're correct. Well, that wraps us up for this episode. We, uh, we look forward to the games this weekend and getting back to our regular Monday schedule next week when we will be talking about Tennessee. So it will be the third Saturday in October. So it, it arrives so quickly. I mean, today's the fourth, and we're talking about the third Saturday in October next weekend, or at least it can be the fifteenth. So, Tom, as always, if you're gonna hate Auburn, you have to hate early and hate often. Roll Tide. Roll Tide, guys. Take it easy. Great.